0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 8. For the next few moments of time, I want to preach on the subject of Fresh Perspective. Fresh perspective. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time for you to get a fresh perspective. (laughs) Amen. Being that this is Father's Day Sunday, I want to submit to you this question. And let me go ahead and give a little plug, a disclaimer. This this particular message is It's not just applicable to our fathers, but it's applicable to each and every one of us as the sons and the daughters of God. Because I truly believe that we're living in a time, we're living in a day, and we're living in an age to where we need to receive a fresh perspective from the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let me submit to you right from the start this question. How many like a good Action-packed thriller type of movie. Can I see a show of hands? Come on, I know, I know you men do. How many like a good action-packed thriller type of movie? One of those that leave you on the edge of your seats. How many knows what I'm talking about? Maybe, maybe one of those that are full of wars and, and fighting and combat and and good versus evil type of movies. Anybody enjoy those kind of movies? Well, I'm going to present to you a story that is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. That if you like those particular types of movies, you're going to enjoy this story and this account in the book of 2 Kings. Is that all right? So let's look together in chapter 6 of 2 Kings, starting at verse 8. And this is what the word of the Lord declares. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. In other words, he was desiring to set up an ambush that would overcome and overtake the Israelites as they pass through a certain strategic place. But the Bible goes on and says that the man of God, speaking of the prophet Elisha, the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass by this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Can you imagine that right there? That the prophet Elisha was so intertwined, so in tune with the Spirit of God that he actually heard the conversations of the enemy that he heard the conversations of the king of Syria and how he was strategically planning an ambush that would overtake God's people and that would bring them into captivity. Can we have such an ear today in this modern world that we could hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, that the Spirit of God could trust us to reveal even the very plans of our adversary. You see, that was the kind of man of God that the prophet Elisha was. He was nowhere near that conversation. But because he was in tune with the spirit of God, he heard the plans and the plots of the enemy and it avoided catastrophe for the people of God. So the king of Syria become very upset. And he, he's automatically just assuming that it is one of his key leaders that is leaking this information To the king of Israel. And he confronts them over it. But these servants tell their king, the king of Syria, that none of us are betraying you, O king. But it is the prophet Elijah who has heard your very words. Even the words that you whisper in your own bedroom. So what was the response of the enemy, of the king of Syria? So he said, go and see where this prophet is. That I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night, and they surrounded the city where the people of God were at. And when the servant of the man of God, when the servant of the prophet Elisha arose early on that next morning, and he went out, he saw that there was an army that was surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Can you imagine that? The servant of the prophet Elijah goes out of his tent early in the morning hours, and all of a sudden he sees all around them, surrounding them from every corner, from every place, the enemy, the armies of the enemy, the armies of Syria. How many knows it surely looked like a bad situation? Anybody ever been in a bad situation? Some of you are in a bad situation right now. It looked as if they were going to be overcome and overthrown by their opposing enemy. And so the servants, in his fear, in his anxiety, he went back to the prophet Elisha. And he said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Some of you are asking that very question right now because of the things that you see in the natural that are attempting to attack you that are attempting to annihilate you, that are attempting to assassinate you, the surrounding of the enemy and the adversary of your soul, and it's backed you up into a place to where you are overcome seemingly by a spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of depression, and you're wondering and you're questioning within yourself, and you're even questioning God himself, what are we going to do? How am I going to get through this thing? How am I going to overcome this sickness, overcome this diagnosis? How am I going to overcome this relational issue, this financial crisis that I'm finding myself in? How many has ever been there? And so we began to ask the prophet, what shall we do? And this is what the prophet Elisha spoke up and said to his servant. He said, do not fear. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, don't fear. don't fear. Do not fear. Listen to this. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You didn't hear what the prophet said. You didn't hear what the pastor said today. The prophet looked at his servant and he said, servant, do not fear for those who are on our side are more than those who are on the enemy's side. I come to let somebody know today I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what the devil is screaming in your ears and in your head. If God be for you it doesn't matter who rises against you for greater is he that is within me not he that is within the world I'm telling you Jesus overcome death, hell and the grave and that same overcoming spirit and anointing resides on the inside of you hallelujah if you believe that shout hallelujah he said do not fear For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. And he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Open the eyes of my servants that he may see. And can I tell you, as one of your pastors today, it is my prayer. And this is what I feel God has put within my spirit to deliver to you. Not just fathers. But every one of you, as sons and daughters of God, it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit will open up our eyes. That we may see. That we may see. Then the Lord answered the prayer of the prophet, and he opened the eyes of the young man, of the servant. And he saw. And behold, what did he see? A moment ago, he saw the armies of the enemy encamped round right about them but now because his spiritual eyes have been opened he sees behold that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire did you hear did you hear what the word of the lord says now after his spiritual eyes have been opened you see before he was looking through the eyes of the natural but now all of a sudden the eyes of faith, the eyes of his inward spirit man has been opened. And now he sees surrounding the enemy horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness. And the Lord struck them with blindness according to... To the word of the prophet Elisha. And the story goes on. And for the sake of time we won't get into it. But the people of God were spared from the plots and the ploys of the enemy. Why? Because the people of God received a fresh perspective. They no longer operated by what they saw in the natural. But they began to operate by what? They saw through the eyes of faith and through the eyes of the Spirit. You see, the servant of the prophet Elisha had a problem originally with his vision. He was considered to be spiritually nearsighted. Did you hear what I said? He was considered to be spiritually nearsighted nearsighted in other words all he could see was what was directly before him come on we got too many nearsighted saints in the kingdom today that they're paralyzed by fear because of the things that are coming upon the world did this bible not tell us of these things that were going to come upon this world Does this Bible tell us to bunker down and to hide and to store up and to live according to the dictates of the spirit of this age? No, it doesn't. It tells us to occupy. It tells us to continue to expand his kingdom. It tells us to continue to be the salt and the light of the world, to continue to preach this life-giving gospel. Well, you go ahead and hide if you want, but let me tell you, your salt ain't worth nothing if you don't get out and let your light shine on a hill somewhere. You say, Well, Pastor, you, uh, you, you don't know what Fox News is saying, and see, that's your problem. You too engrossed with what secular society is trying to cram down your throat. You say, well, pastor, aren't you hoarding up? Aren't you doing this? And you buying all this frozen stuff? Let me tell you, you buy all that mess if you want to. But I just have enough faith to believe that my God, whose eye is on the sparrow, who takes care of the sparrow, my God will also take care of me, and he'll take care of you, even in the times of perilous situations. I'm talking about a fresh perspective. You see, the servant was nearsighted. All he could see was what was directly before him. Therefore, he was overcome by the spirit of fear and the spirit of anxiety. And this is why the prophet Elisha prayed that the Lord would open up his eyes. That he may see beyond the natural. That he may see beyond the here and the now. That besides perceiving things through his natural eyes, that he would begin to perceive things through the eyes of faith and through the eyes of the spirits. And when the servant's eyes were opened, the servant gained a fresh perspective. Somebody say a fresh perspective. And for the first time ever, he realized that there was more for him than there was against him. He also realized that it did not matter what the plot or the ploy of the enemy was, that it was not going to prosper. Oh, hallelujah. I said for the first time because he received this fresh perspective he realized that it did not matter what the enemy had orchestrated against them that whatever the weapon was that it was not going to prosper no matter what the ploy was it was not going to be successful I come by to remind somebody today I don't know what the enemy is doing in your life but I do know according to John chapter 10 verse 10, the job description of the devil. He said, I come to steal. I come to kill. I come to destroy. I'm telling you, if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, it's not your God, but it's the devil. But I come with good news from the throne of heaven that it doesn't matter what he's trying to do in your life. It will not come to pass. It will not come to fruition if you'll just get a fresh perspective of what God is doing in you and through you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, He received a fresh perspective. He realized that the, the enemy's plans were not going to prosper. If you were here Wednesday night, you heard me allude to the points that there's a difference between your reality and between his truth. Did you hear what I said? You heard me say this Wednesday night, and I'm going to allude on that point just a little bit more this morning. There's a difference between your reality and between this truth right here. You've heard me say this time and time again, and I'm going to say it again. In today's society and culture, they would have you to believe that You have a truth, and I have a truth, and although they might differ, that it's okay because that's your truth, and that's my truth. But let me tell you, that's a lie straight from the pits of hell. Because my Bible says that Jesus declared, he said, I am the way, I am what? The truth, and I am the life, and there is no other way to the Father except by him. Can I tell you, whatever this Bible says, that is what is truth, and that is what we stand upon. It doesn't matter what the politicians are telling us. It doesn't matter what culture and society is telling us. We cannot change the almighty word of God. Can somebody say amen? So what is your reality today? Maybe your reality is some sort of sickness, some sort of diagnosis that has been spoken over you. That's, that could be very well be your reality. We all know somebody that has received a negative report from physicians, a negative diagnosis from doctors. That is their current reality. Maybe your reality today is that you're, you're on the verge of facing bankruptcy. That very well could be your reality. Financial distress. Maybe your reality is some sort of relational distress. Maybe your spouse has threatened that they are going to leave you. They're going to separate from you. They're going to divorce you. That very well could be your reality today. Maybe someone that you thought was going to be there to the very end. They have lied to you and they have stabbed you in the back and they have walked out on you. And it has left you in crumbles. And you're wondering where in the world is God at in all of this confusion and this chaos. That very well could be your reality. But can I tell you today that there's a difference between reality and there's a difference between truth. What am I saying to you today? You see, in this account, in 2 Kings chapter 6, the reality was that the people of God were outnumbered by the enemy. The reality was that it appeared as if they were surely about to be overthrown and conquered. That was their reality. There's no denying that. Amen? That was their reality. They had been surrounded by the enemy. But the truth, somebody say the truth. The truth was that they had more for them than they had against them. The truth was that no matter what weapon it was that the enemy had formed against them, that it was not going to prosper. That was the truth. So let's go back to your reality. Maybe it's a negative diagnosis. Maybe you've, told, you've been told by the doctor that you have some certain disease and you have a limited amount of time left. That could be your reality. But can I remind somebody of the truth? The truth is he was wounded for your transgressions. The truth is he was bruised for your iniquities. The truth is that every stripe he took on his back, it is for your healing. It is for your deliverance. It is for your salvation. I can't get nobody to help me today. I know this is Father's Day. I know we're here to patty cake fathers and rightfully so. I know we got a lot of guests in the house today, but let me tell you, this is still set free church. Come on, somebody. We're here to glorify him. I'm trying to help somebody out of the mess that you're in right now, out of your current reality. You say, well, pastor, you don't know. You don't know what the diagnosis is. You don't know. I'm just discouraged. Let me tell you, in the natural, you have every reason to be discouraged. In the natural, you have every reason to be full of fear, anxiety, and depression. In the natural, you have every reason to question God. But I come with a word from the Lord that the truth of the matter is, is that you are healed, you are delivered, you are made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, when you receive a fresh perspective, you realize like never before, it doesn't matter what my reality is. I know the truth, and it's the truth that shall set me free, that shall set my family free. Just like Grandma said, come hell or high water, the truth is going to stand. Anybody ever had Grandma tell you that? The truth will stand when the world's on fire. I come out of letting somebody know grandma's a prophet. She was prophesying to you. The truth of the word of the Lord shall stand even when everything is set ablaze around you. You say, Pastor, you don't know what's happened to me. People, people's left me. They've abandoned me. They walked out on you. That may be your reality. But I come to remind somebody of the truth that Jesus said that I will be a friend, that'll stick closer than any brother. You didn't hear what I said today. Jesus said, "I will go with you to the very end of the world. I never leave you. I never forsake you. That's the truth. That's the truth say pastor my marriage is in a mess that might be your reality but I come by to let somebody know the truth of the situation is God said I can take the years that the locusts have eaten and I can bring restoration to every dead situation every dead relationship in your life I said there's a difference between reality and between truth I don't know about you but I'm gonna stand on the truth I'm going to stand on the truth of this right here. I'm going to stand on this truth right here. I don't care what the world tells me. I'm going to stand on this because heaven and earth shall pass away. But his word, his truth shall stand forevermore. I don't care what your reality is screaming at you. You need to turn, tune out the roars of the enemy, the growls of the wolves and you need to tune in to what the spirit of the Lord is saying and how many knows that oftentimes the spirit of God's voice is a still small voice and no wonder you're not hearing the truth and hearing the voice of the shepherd, it's because you're too busy being in fear of the growls of the wolves I come to submit to you today that it's time for somebody to receive a fresh perspective You hear what I said? I said it's time for somebody to receive a fresh perspective. What is perspective? Perspective has to do with vision. Do you hear what I said? I said perspective has to do with your vision. It has to do with attitude, huh? Perspective has to do with vision. And it has to do with attitude. In other words, when I'm talking about you receiving a fresh perspective, I'm talking about you stop walking in the natural and you begin to walk in the spirit. You begin to walk in the supernatural. You begin to call those things that are not as though they are and watch God manifest your words into your reality. I'm talking about you seeing beyond the here and the now. Seeing beyond what is attacking you. What is trying to attach itself to you. What is trying to annihilate you. And you see what God is doing in the earth. What God is doing in your life. What God is doing in your family. You see the truth is you can only go as far as your attitude will take you. And you want to know why a lot of people die prematurely? Because when they receive the diagnosis, when they receive the death sentence, they automatically shut down and give up. Well, that's what they told me. That's what the doctor said. That's what mama spoke over me. And so therefore you receive that diagnosis. You received that report. But I tell you today, I've seen it over and over again. If you will get a fresh perspective, if you begin to look through the eyes of faith, look through the eyes of the Spirit, and if you'll keep your attitude in check, it's yet to be seen what God will do in you and through you. I come by to let somebody know it's not over till God says it's over. You didn't hear what I said today. Some of you, you already think this is your last chance you already think that God's through with you that he's put you on a shelf somewhere but I come by with a word from the Lord to let you know it's not over till God says it's over he's got the final say I said he's got the final say glory to God somebody look at your neighbor and say he's got the final say I'm talking about fresh perspective you see We need a fresh perspective of several things in our life. Number one, we need a fresh perspective of God's purpose. Did you hear what I said? I said you and I, we need to receive a fresh perspective of God's purpose for our life. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this. The Lord spoke through his servant, the prophet Jeremiah, and he said to his people, he said, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. Can I remind somebody today, this is not profound, this is not deep, I know that, but I come by just to encourage somebody today. Can I remind somebody today that you still have a purpose? You say, well, pastor, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've returned back to my old ways and my old life. And the devil's already convinced me that God's through with me, that I've messed up one too many times, that God has taken his anointing off of my life. I'm telling you what, the very fact that you are here in this place, the very fact that you are watching online, it means to me and means to the Lord that there's still hope for you, that there's still a purpose for your life that God still has a plan and an assignment and an anointing I don't care how bad you messed up I'm telling you as long as there's bread in your lungs in your body God's not through with you go ahead and rebuke that life straight from hell that says God's done wrote you off Let me tell you, the blood's greater than that. The blood's more powerful than that. All it takes is one drop of blood. You don't have to be bathed in it. All it takes is one drop of blood to eradicate the darkness, to eradicate the addiction, to eradicate the bondage, to eradicate the sin. All it takes is one drop of his blood. I said we need a fresh perspective of God's purpose. You still got purpose. I wish somebody get healed today. I said, you still got purpose. God still has a plan for your life. Everybody's wanting to know, Pastor, what's my purpose? You know, what's, what's, why, why was I placed on this earth? You know, why am I here? Why am I existing? What is God's calling for my life? Let me give you a good clue of what it is. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says this. These are the words of Christ himself. He was revealing to his disciples what his purpose was. Of why God the Father sent him to this earth over 2,000 years ago. And this is what the word of the Lord declares in Luke 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Those were the words of Christ himself. He said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Can I tell you the purpose of Christ upon this earth is redemption. Redemption is the very mission. It is the very purpose. It is the very calling of Christ. And how many knows what his calling was is what our calling is. What his purpose was is what our purpose is. What his assignment was is what our assignment is. Now, there's only one Jesus. He came and he lived a sinless life. He gave his life as a ransom and as for the redemption of all humanity. We're not called to die on a cross in the way and the fashion that he did. We are called to carry our cross and to die to our flesh, but there's only one Jesus. There's only one spotless lamb. There's only one Savior. But let me tell you, if you will receive a fresh perspective of God's purpose for your life, you will realize that the calling that was upon him is the calling that is upon you. And that is that God has raised you up for such a time as this to reach the nation see some of you again you got you got nearsightedness and all you can see is what is going on right around you that's all you're consumed by that's all you're living by but can I tell you the purpose of God for your life is greater than you are the plan of God of, uh, uh, the plan of God for your life is bigger than you are And if you are not thinking outside of the box, if you're not doing those things that are beyond your natural limitations, then I question, are you really doing anything for the kingdom of God? It's time for you to receive a fresh perspective of the purpose of God for your life. You see, Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, you hear us say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Before he ascended back to be at the right hand of the Father, he gave what you and I know as the great commission to the original disciples. And what did he say to them before he ascended back? He said, you're going to go, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he said, you're going to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Is that not what he said? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was the mission that Jesus gave to his disciples. It sounds a whole lot like the purpose that Christ originally came for to seek and to save the lost. Jesus told the original disciples, he said, your purpose on this earth is to go preach this gospel, is to go make disciples of every nation. I wonder how in the world did we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ get so distracted in the thinking that the reason why God put us here at 4415 Highway 153 is to be a social club You know you got to get your membership like you do at Sam's or or, or uh, what's what's the other place out there Costco and once you get your membership, then we're going to pamper you. We're going to you, baby you. Let me tell you, you heard me say this. And I'm going to say it again. I didn't come here to change your diaper. I didn't come here to wipe your hiding. I know there's a grace for those who are new babes in Christ Jesus. But for those of you and I who've been serving the Lord for a long time, God's raising you up for such a time as this to be world changers. God's raising up an army right here at Sephry Church. It's gonna do exploits for the kingdom of God. You got to get a fresh perspective of God's purpose for your life. And let me tell you, it may not look like what I'm doing right here with a microphone behind a pulpit. God wants to use you as an evangelist, as a prophet, as a pastor, as a teacher, even in the marketplace. Even in the public school system. Even in, your, in, in secular society and culture. God's raising up marketplace ministers. Glory to God. We need a fresh perspective not only of God's purpose, but we need a fresh perspective of God's presence. Did you hear what I said? Of God's presence. You see, the psalmist David, King David, was a man who knew the importance of the presence of God. He was a mortal man who knew the necessity of the presence of God. That's why all throughout Psalms, you will see him referring to the presence of God. Talking about the presence of God. Worshiping God for his powerful presence in his life. In Psalm 16 verse 11, he said it like this. God, you will show me the path of life. For it's in your presence where I can find fullness of joy. It's at your right hand where I find pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 84 verse 2, the psalmist said, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. For the living God. He's referring to the presence of God. In Psalm 51 verse 11, even after David's calamity, after David's fall with committing adultery with Bathsheba and then having her husband murdered and killed. In Psalm 51 verse 11, this is a psalm of repentance. And he's crying out to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew within me a right spirit. And he went on in verse 11. He said, do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I said, He was a man of the presence of God. I'm telling you we're receiving today a fresh perspective of God's presence in our life and I come to let you know today there's no substitute for the presence of God in your life, in the life of the believer. Did you hear what I said? I said there's no substitute for the presence of God in the life of the believer. Everything that we are in need of can be found in the supernatural manifested presence of God. Did you hear what I said? I said everything that you are in need of can be found in the presence of God y'all running here and there trying to cope with life through all sorts of different avenues and different you know ways and outlets let me tell you everything that you need can be found in his presence I'm not knocking any of these other avenues, but I'm telling you, try the presence of God. He'll be your counselor. He'll be your therapist. He'll be your teacher. He'll be your way maker. He'll be your deliverer. I'm telling you, everything that you need can be found in the presence of God. An indicator of maturity in the life of the believer is this. You want to know how someone is maturing? In the kingdom, how someone is growing up in the things of God. It is when one desires his presence more than than they desire his presence. Did you hear what I said? You want to know how someone's maturing in the kingdom of God? Is when that person, that individual, that believer is when they get to a place in their walk with God, in their relationship with God, to where they have the attitude and the mentality that, God, I want you more than I want what you can do for me. God, I want your presence more than I want your presence. But I'm afraid in this society... In this decade of the church, particularly in the charismatic circles, we preach so much on blessings and favor and prosperity that we've raised up a whole generation that's just after what God can do for them. That's just after the gifts that he can give them, the blessings that he can give them. That's just looking for his hand in the life. But I don't know about you, if God doesn't do one more thing for me, all I need is his presence. I said all I need is his presence. I've messed up many a times in my life, and I'm just like David. Take everything from me, but don't take your presence. Don't take your presence, God. Don't take your presence, God need your presence God you can take everything else God but don't take your presence from me don't take your anointing from me we shout about the promises of God we shout about his promises right promises are all throughout the word from cover to cover and every promise is for you is for me we can stand on it we can take it to the bank we can shout about it but let me tell you what his greatest promise is that he ever gave to us as his children it is the promise of his presence. I'm talking about receiving a fresh perspective of God's presence in your life. It's the promise of His presence. Right after He gave His disciples, before He ascended back to heaven, the Great Commission, He said, you're going to go into all the world. You're going to make disciples of every nation. What was the promise tagged at the very end of it? He said, and lo, I will go with you to the very end. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Can I tell you, it's good news today for preachers like me, for preachers like you, for sons and daughters like all of us, that we have the promise of his presence wherever he tells you to go whatever he tells you to say whatever he tells you to do you're not by yourself baby but you're being backed up by heaven itself you've got the father the son and the holy ghost who is in you who is for you and who's going to do it through you I said it's the promise of his presence number three we need a fresh perspective of God's provision you hear what I said? Not just God's purpose and God's presence, but God's provision. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says it like this. And my God, somebody say my God, shall supply all our need. Notice it didn't say greed. Huh? It didn't say greed. It said my God shall supply all of our need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Psalm 37 verse 25. The psalmist again, he said, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. Let me help somebody. Let me help somebody today. You're about to leave with a fresh perspective of the provision of God for your life. See, some of you, your nerves are so rattled they so tore up because of what the current political scene is in this nation but I'm telling you if you'll take your hope out of a politician out of a political party out of the stock market and you'll put your hope in the kingdom of God I promise you you'll have the testimony all the days of your life though all others are failing though all other systems are crashing I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging for bread what does that mean God God will provide for you. I know I'm going to probably get in trouble for this, but I don't care. The Democrat Party is not going to provide for you. Let me go ahead and burst some of your bubbles. Let me go on this side. The Republican Party is not going to provide for you. Oh my God, oh my God, see the problem is some of you are worshiping these political figures more than you worshiping the God who can take care of your need, and that's why God stripped them out of office, nobody's saying nothing in this house, I said my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. If the stock market crashes today, brother Donnie, we're not going to miss a meal. You didn't hear what I said. Look at me. I ain't missed a meal. We're not going to miss a meal because my God, if he has to bang, run heaven, he'll do it to meet your need. My God, I wish the camera would look on some of y'all's countenance. Y'all about as dead as a doornail, some of you. It don't matter what I say. Some of y'all ain't going to move. But you go ahead and miss out on your blessing because I'm going to take your blessing and mine too. I said it's time you get a fresh perspective of God's provision for your life. I'm telling you, he will do what it takes to make sure every one of your needs are met. Stop worrying about all this nonsense that's going on in our nation. Pray for him, yes. Intercede for him, yes. But let me tell you, do not be in despair. Because we're not of this world. We've got a, we're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Can somebody say amen? amen? Number four, we're going to receive a fresh perspective of not only God's provision, but of God's protection. Did you hear what I said? Psalm 91, starting in verse 1, it says this, He who dwells in the secret place, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield. It shall be your buckler. You shall not be afraid Of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Listen to this a thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. You can either believe that and walk in that, or you can say that's for somebody else. But I choose to stand on the word of the Lord. I'm getting a fresh perspective today of the protection of God over my life. You say, well, Pastor, I'm a gospel gangster. I go packing everywhere I go. Well, God bless you. Nothing wrong with that. I said, nothing wrong with that. But my hope's not in a gun that's been made by the hands of man my hope is in heaven and my Bible says though a thousand fall at one side and ten thousand on the other it shall not come nigh my dwelling why because he is in camp guardian angels all around me if you could just see through the eyes of the spirit today if you could just receive a fresh perspective you would see on this platform hordes of angels all around me if you could just look at your neighbor there's angels all around there. when I leave this place I don't go out by myself but I go with oh, the armies of heaven. I said God's protection. It goes for those who dwell in the secret place. Number five, and I close with this one. It's time for us to receive a fresh perspective, not only of God's protection, but of God's power. Power, power, power. Wonder working power. Where is it at? It's in the blood. Come on, church. I said there's power. Power. Wonder working power in the blood of Jesus. I said it's in the blood of Jesus. I know we don't talk about it anymore. I know we don't sing about it anymore. But I'm telling you, there's still wonder working power in the blood of Jesus. My grandma used to. Plead the blood everywhere she went. She had pleaded at Walmart. She had pleaded at Milo. She had pleaded at the bank. I'm telling you, we need to get back to where we plead and proclaim the blood of Jesus over our lives, over our families. Every time I drop my baby girl off at school, I plead the blood over her. She may not hear me verbalize it, but in my spirit, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. Because I realize the blood still has power. I said it still has wonder-working power. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able, somebody say he's able, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power that works within us. Let me help somebody. Some of y'all sit back waiting on God to flex his muscles. Some of y'all sit back waiting on God to do his thing. Let me tell you, he's already did his thing 2,000 years ago. This scripture has, says that he has power that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But guess where that power is at? It's on the inside of you. It's on the inside of me. So I come to release somebody today. Stop waiting on God to show up and to show out. And you stand up in your God-given authority and power and let the devil know enough is enough. I draw a line by the blood of Jesus and I dare you to step over it. See, that's the problem with some of you today. You ain't got mad at the devil in a long time. But I'm telling you, what if some of you get some righteous indignation about what the enemy's doing in your life and send him back to hell where he came from? I'm telling you, God's giving you power. You've heard me say this over and over. In 2 Timothy, Paul releases the Timothy signs that would let him know the spiritual climates. Of the generation that we're living in, of the coming of the Lord. Perilous times, wars, and rumors of wars. But in chapter 3, verse 5, this is another prophetic indicator to let you and I know where we're living at on the spiritual time clock. In spite of the wars, the disease, the pestilence, he also told Timothy, he said, But my people, God's people, not the world, not secular society and culture, But my people are going to have a form of godliness. They're going to look the part. They're going to dress the part. They're going to have all the Christianese lingo. Come on. But they're going to be void of the power. I said God's coming to give you a fresh perspective of his power today, of the power that's locked up on the inside of you. They're going to be void of the power of God. Can I tell you what? I wish we would get back to the day and the age in the church that we don't have to beg, plead, and manipulate a move of God that we, we practice what Mark 16 says. It says, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall be recovered. How long has it been since you've seen a notable miracle? I'm telling you, we're living beneath the standard that God has called us to live in. We're li- living beneath the privilege that God has called us to, to be a part of and to live in. I still believe what Mark 16 tells me, that there's power on the inside of me that I can lay hands on the sick, and they're going to be healed. They're going to be recovered. These signs shall follow them. They shall cast out demons. It didn't say they're going to give therapy to demon-possessed people. They're going to counsel those demons. We've been counseling demons for long enough. If my Bible says they shall cast them out. Yeah. Yeah. And they shall speak with new tongues. I wish we would get back to the day that we would emphasize the person of the Holy Spirit. Because can I tell you, he is the source of our power. You know what wrecked my life? Listen to me, young people. You know what wrecked my life as a teenager that grew up in church? I knew how to, I knew how to lift up my hands. I knew how to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. I knew how to look the part. But can I tell you, Sister Nancy, something was missing. And what was missing, I realized at the age of 16 when I got around a, a, a group of crazy teenagers that, that had something on the inside of them. And it caused me to want what they had on the inside of them. And can I tell you what they had that I didn't have? I had religion. Yeah, I had Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. But what they had that I didn't have was the sweet baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother Donnie, your mama knew all about it. And she was one of the key instruments that imparted that gift to Shetababebe, that imparted that to me. With the initial evidence of speaking in unknown tongues. I know we've got too dignified in the church world today to really let a move of God happen. I know we act like and we have the mentality, I don't need all of that. That's for grandma. That's for grandpa. You can't grow a church with all of that. But I'm telling you what, that's a lie straight from hell. There's a people that's hungry for exactly that. They want to see a manifestation and a move of the Holy Ghost. I wish we'd get back to unashamedly speaking in unknown tongues speaking mysteries forth because let me tell you, there's power in it I know it looks foolish to the natural eye but there's power in it let me go ahead and say something else About to get out of the way. I've been so grieved in my spirit this past week. If you follow me on social media, you know it. And I've received a lot of hate and a lot of flack. But I don't care. I cannot believe in this day and this hour that we're still debating in the church. What women can't and cannot do in the kingdom. That we have the audacity to think that a man is the only one that has a right to declare the good news of the gospel. That a man is the only one that has the right to lead in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come by to let somebody know today that this last day outpouring is going to raise up sons, but it's also going to raise up daughters. And I come to encourage somebody today. You've been on the back burner. You've been on the back side of the desert for long enough. And although man may not offer. God himself is raising up sons and daughters for such a time as this. Shame on the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't care. I'm going to shame the devil today. Shame on them. I said shame on them. Because they're going to miss out on the move of God. Because they've limited the God of this Bible. And they've tried to mute voices in the kingdom of God. Somebody looks at your neighbor and say, it's tight, but it's right. I'm crazy enough to believe. I don't know why God has chose to do it like this. But again, this is Father's Day Sunday. Can I tell you some of the greatest moves of God, the greatest revivals were birthed on Father's Day Sunday? Study it. If you're a student of revival, you know what I'm talking about. One of them that I'm going to mention was the Brownsville revival. Remember that revival that went on for years? People from all nations came to Florida to get in on the move of God. Let me tell you, it began on Father's Day Sunday. Something special about this day. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that God could spark something in this house. We're not going to try to mimic a past move of God, but let me tell you, there's a greater move of God that's about to hit this earth. And I don't know about you, but I declare as one of the pastors of this church, we as Set Free Church, we're going to be right up in the middle of it. If that makes you mad, if it makes you uncomfortable, I release you to go somewhere else. We don't want you to leave, but I'm telling you, we're going to pay, the price to see a move of God in this body, in this generation.